Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. It's just standing up for yourself. If, if you don't agree with the people who are putting these um, things in place, um, it's, it's not going to stop if you don't stand up uh, and, and be heard. This episode of Women on the Line will focus on the recently announced trials of the new cashless welfare card and the implications of income management for Centrelink recipients. We'll speak with Andrea from Seduna, who will be affected by the trial of the cashless welfare card, Bonnie Edwards from Halls Creek in the Kimberley, which is attempting to resist becoming a trial site for the card, and Jacinta Waugh, who contributed to an evaluation of the place-based income management trial in Shepparton in Victoria. Women on the Line would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present as the traditional owners of the land where this show was produced. Listeners should also be aware that this show contains discussion of domestic violence. Income management started in 2007 as part of the Northern Territory Emergency Response. Since then, the process has changed and expanded, giving rise to the basics card and different kinds of income management in different areas across Australia. Crucially, income management is usually put in place in communities with high proportions of Aboriginal people. While information is still limited, at the time of making this episode, it seems that in places where the cashless welfare card is to be trialled, it will affect most Centrelink recipients other than those on the age pension. The first trial is scheduled to start in February 2016 and three trial sites have now been announced, one in Sejuna in South Australia and two more in Western Australia, with the community of Halls Creek in the Kimberley also trying to resist becoming a trial site for the card. Women on the Line spoke with Andrea, a Sejuna resident, about the proposed trial of the card in her area. My name is Andrea. Um, I'm a young Aboriginal mother born and raised in um, Sejuna. Um, I'm a single parent um, that runs a household with five beautiful children. Uh, been unemployed for two years after losing a job that I was employed at for almost seven years. Um, done some casual work here and there in Sejuna. Applied for some jobs, but um, no, I haven't been successful um, with any employment at the moment. And will you will you be affected by the trial of the cashless welfare card? Um, yes, I'll be um, hugely affected by it because my both my incomes um, that come into my household are Centrelink benefits. Um, yeah, so I, I would be affected by it, um, the single parent and the family tax um, benefits as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could talk a bit about what's being proposed um, for the cashless welfare card trial in Sejuna. Yep. Um, As far as I'm aware, um, it is a cashless um, debit card. Um, 80% of payments will be quarantined um, and apparently the remaining 20% will be um, put into a nominated account. That's from what I've, I've been told. Um, just from the the, um, the community support group that I I have joined, that's the only um, and and some flyers that have been sent around town yeah. from Centrelink. Yeah, right. So is that the only information you've had from Centrelink so far? Yes, yes. 
Yeah. Yes, I actually went into Centrelink once um, this news was sort of out there in the community and just asked them. Um, they couldn't provide much support. Um, they did give me a pamphlet with a number on email on the bottom if I had any queries and concerns that I'd had to contact that, um, that email address mm-hmm. with my inquiries. So, yes, basically yeah. my inquiry was that I am ready on an income um, um, management um, support scheme. So... Um, why my question was why do I need to go on this if I'm already on an income support thing so yeah yeah. and could you tell us a bit more about the income um, support scheme or management scheme you're already participating in yes um, it's called my budget Um, I was introduced to it um, probably about I've been on it maybe three going on four years now when I purchased my second car whilst I was working Um, I it suits me perfectly my bills are paid um everything is fine um for my household it's it's run really really good um it's just yeah learning to live on a on a budget for myself and my children and like I said it's four years and I I swear by it and yeah I, I still can access and say what can and can't be paid and I can still access money when I need it because I have some savings there with uh, and yeah, it's it's the best thing I've been on. They set up a budget for you, and then they go through, um, and and you they allocate or with you like how much money you want to be given per week um, to you know for your shopping and fuel and stuff like that. It's it's a really good good budget thing to be on. Yeah, yeah. for myself. And I mean, how would you say that sort of that sort of differs from what's being proposed under the cashless welfare card in terms of, I mean, good good outcomes for yourself? Um, well, it's going to affect majorly because, um, for instance, myself, I go through I'm a renting privately, um, so it's going to um, apparently, from what I've been told, I have to take all my things to Centrelink once they set it up so they can actually see what needs to, who my payments are going to and stuff like that and, and I've actually spoken to my budget as well and seeing how well I, I will no longer need them and so that's a bit sad for me because I've been with them for four years mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's just that big change um, and yeah and like here in a small town of Sejuna with the the 20% um, of apparently 20% cash that you can get put into an account. Um, I can't actually transfer money over into my daughter's bank account who is going away to boarding school next year, mm. which is going to be a concern for me um, because if, if she needs money and I also need cash, say if there's football or netball on, you know, that's going to be very hard and I've um, I've already said to my parents, like, do I need to borrow money off of them and pay them back in food items? You know, oh it's gosh. it's confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really silly to me. Yeah, so. And as well as being really, really inconvenient and maybe pushing towards almost like a, almost a barter, <laughs> barter yeah, sort of economy much. there. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, I, I was a... And the, and the one thing that really annoys me with some people here in this town is that they um, they uh, say it's good for the community, um, um, so they're not seeing um, taxpayers' money getting wasted. Um, 
which is a bit sad to actually hear because I once was a taxpayer. I've fallen on hard times and I'm unemployed. Um, but, you know, I, I don't sit back and, and use the so-called taxpayers' money. I've worked very hard for what I own in my house and my house is a home. My kids have food on their, on their, you know, in the fridge and in the cupboards every week and they have great attendance at school. So, you know, we shouldn't all be put in the same same boat, you know, and, and it's taking my independence away from me. It's taking my role modelling to my children, you know. Like I sit down and we do a budget on what we spend every week. Like, that's what I do with my kids, you know, and, and it's just showing them, them life skills that they have to do when I have a 16-year-old as well. So, you know, he's... He needs to learn, well, all of his children need to learn that kind of steps in life. Um, but doing it this way, um, yeah, it's it's just a very, it's going to affect my family majorly, yes. Mm. To move to more of a community perspective, I mean, maybe it's difficult for you to say, but how, how would you say the announcement of the trial has affected Sajina? I mean, it seems there are different opinions in the community about um, the, the they, card. Yes, it has um, been very, um, there's been a big effect. Um, I I don't think a lot of people realise how how um, it will affect them until it actually happens in Feb- February, a pretty, a pretty short start. Mm. Um, we've had um, no kind of consultation, um, community consultations on this, apart from our little... Um, group that's been gathering to let community members know. Um, They're the only people that pretty much have told people in the community on on what's happening and how this is going to affect and how this is going to change the community. Um, Yeah, there's there's comments that's been in the local paper on when we had the the peaceful march um, couple of weekends back, how they say it's still a minority of people that are protesting against this. I think there is a majority of, of people that are against this, but they they don't know how to go about it. So we're trying to do as much as we can to support that that group that can't speak for themselves, you know, that um, don't have... Well, to me, we, we can do only as much as we can, but the, the council and the people who are pushing for this will we'll eventually have the last say. While some trial sites have been confirmed, for other areas the situation remains unclear. The Halls Creek Shire Council recently voted against becoming a trial site for the card. However, a press release from the council states that during a recent visit to the town by the Western Australian Minister for Regional Development, the minister made it clear that opposition to a trial for the cashless debit card in the Shire would strongly influence the level of investment made under the Regional Reforms Project. Women on the line spoke to Bonnie Edwards, a Jarrow woman who lives in Halls Creek. What has happened? Um, No one has... This is the feedback from the uh, Aboriginal people on the ground who are living in these communities that don't, aren't uh, are unaware of what's happening with the government. There have not been any confrontation with those people out there to let them know what is the good thing and what is the bad thing about going on to this cashless card. Mm. They haven't informed them. So they're really unaware of that, um, what it's going to do. And I think that uh, they have to get someone out there and, and uh, to talk to these people and say, we're going to put you on 
this cashless card. And, and these are the good things about it, and these are the bad things about it, if you want to have a look at it and really be honest with them and see who wants to go, go on it. Because a lot of people are saying out there to me, as a, just a community person who they trust, saying to me they don't want it. And it's other people that are um, working with the government to set this reform up that they're, they're speaking uh, about the Aboriginal people with no knowledge of even talking to those people out there. So you don't feel that the consultation has been meaningful? No, no, it hasn't. They don't even know anything about it in the desert when I was out there about three weeks ago. They don't know anything about it. Uh, they are unaware of what the government is implementing. Mm. And what's going to happen there is without consultation and communication with these people, uh, what it's going to do by implementing this um, cashless card, what they're going to see is, is um, more uh, crime rate build up because of people um, wanting to survive by stealing and and selling things so that they can buy all the stuff that they've been relying on all the time. Yeah. So it seems like a very, um, the cashless welfare card seems like a very blanket solution. Yes, it does look like that. And while I was talking around the campfire with some Aboriginal people, um, we called the reform blackfella management. Mm. That's all it seems like to us, that it's called... We call it blackfella management. It's not the reform. It's not the cashless card. Whatever the government is implementing into the community is blackfella management. That's what we call it. Yeah. I think that, you know, if you go out into these communities and, and speak to these people about this card and what, what good it'll do to our people, you, you take it there on the basis of um, um, talking to them um, you don't push it down their throat. You go and say, well, this is what they're going to do. What do you think about it? And mm. let them decide. Because yeah. every human being in Australia, whether they're white, black or brown, have the right to live the way they want to. And don't push anything onto them unless they really want it. And that's all I, I feel. I feel that as myself, living with these people. So I don't, you know, I don't really think that it should go ahead. Um, I'm dead set against it. The better um, uh, thing that they should do is that um, talk to those people, ask them how do you, what do you think about it, and, and let them give you the feedback. And um, maybe if they want people to start working and stop being reliant on the government, um, maybe there should be some way that we can put our people into the workforce by uh, talking to them and asking them what type of job would you like because it happens in the white society that that um, you apply and you put your resume in that what you're good at. Uh, Aboriginal people don't have that opportunity. Nobody gives them that opportunity to say, I'm good at this, I'm not like that type of job. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. This is Bonnie Edwards discussing the proposed cashless welfare card trial in Halls Creek. They never, they never had an opportunity to say what they wanted in life. And what I see in this cashless card, it will mean, the reform will mean to us, which we call blackfella management, 
will mean to us that it will be providing jobs for the people that are going to have control over the Aboriginal people. That's what it seems to me. It won't create any job for the for the um, people that are on Centrelink. It will create jobs for other people that will implement that towards the community. Mm. Yeah, a, a really important point, you know, is how much it will cost um, to, you know, put this scheme in place and where, where that money could be going instead. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, being on a, a this is nothing to do with the cashless card, but I wanted to sort of just let the people know that it's going to listen to us. Uh, a lot of people in Australia, um, in the white society, think that Aboriginal people are well off, that we still live in third world country conditions. Our people are still disadvantaged. They are dispossessed of their tribal lands and they are... Um, deprived of any resources for survival. All they're dependent on is the government. Um, and now the government's thrown this at them. And they haven't got any way to turn. They haven't been given the opportunity to be able to do something for themselves because I was on ATSIC, which is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders Commission. It was set up by a, a minister called Jerry Han in the 80s. And $9 million used to come out of Canberra for distribution to the people out in the communities. And out of every dollar that we got from Canberra, only 11 cents of it got to the real people on the ground. Because it was used up in administration on people who were looking after the Aboriginal people, had to have jobs, air-conditioned houses, air-conditioned cars. And those people missed out. So really, the people that um, whinge and grime about Aboriginal people being um, well looked after by the government should come up here and see how we live. People still live in car bodies. Because the money that's been sent here for the purpose of looking after Aboriginal people is spent on administration for people that are working towards helping the Aboriginal people into a better life, but they never get to that stage at all. Mm. Bonnie, before we wrap up the interview, I mean, is there anything else that you'd like to, to say? Um, no, I just, um, I'm just not happy about what's happening. It saddens me, you know, um, those people that are unaware of what's happening. My heart goes out to them. Because I know how they are, because I'm, I've been amongst them. And, and it saddens me that the government puts that towards the Shire of Halls Creek, saying that if you don't go on the cashless card, you don't get any funding for your area. And I don't think that's right. Mm. Yeah. I don't think that's the right thing to say and do. That's all I wanted to end it with that, to tell um, people out there who are listening. I could mm. speak to you in my traditional language. And that translated to you is that I am sad that the government is implementing this to the people and I'm really sad for them. That's what I said. 
Discussions about evidence of the effectiveness of income management are complex. Women on the Line spoke to Jacinta Wall, who contributed to the Monash University evaluation of the place-based income management trial in Shepparton, commissioned by Family Care Shepparton and Berry Street. They wanted some sort of independent study done, um, and uh, they, uh, with the independent study, um, they wanted the um, university to do it. A lot of the um, evaluations that had been done by... Um, that had been commissioned by the government. I mean, of course, you know, they were independent, but also they actually had to abide by, um, and the way they went about about it was independent, but they actually had government criteria that they had to look at. And part of that, of course, I mean, and part of the reason my income management was coming in is to essentially try to change people's behaviour. Um, in regards to you know, sending their children to school, making sure that they're feeding their children properly, um, not gambling, not drinking. But what we wanted to do is also, well, we can look at that, but also let's actually have a broader look at income management. So not just looking at those things, looking at the changes in people's behaviour, but how it also affects the community when it comes to... Um, choice or, or control, um, its cost, um, you know, are we getting good value for money with income management? Does it actually address structural disadvantage? So essential, and, and also with the, where it was actually coming into the communities, was there actually good, um, did, was there good consultation with the communities when they actually brought income management there? So, what we did is let's see if we can build an alternative framework for income management. So the first thing that we did was actually look at very um, closely at all the other government-commissioned um, evaluations. And we also looked at other research that had been done on Australian income management and also what um, has been done overseas. I asked Jacinta what evidence there was of the efficacy of income management. Well, the findings were very mixed, essentially. There were uh, some positives. There was some evidence of weight gain of children. There was some evidence that violence in some of the communities had actually decreased, that there was um, less what they called humbugging of other people for um, money, but the, I mean, but the other thing about all of that, and where um, the evidence is a little bit weak, and why we uh, why we thought that evidence was rather provisional, is because income management came in with a whole lot of um, um, other measures as well. So it was actually very hard to isolate income management as the sole cause of those um, those things happening. And also what we did find um, was so, so, uh, some of the findings were negative. Um, mm. And in that, what we found was that some people felt quite disempowered um, with being forced to the government managing their money. But one of the evaluations found was that particularly with women, um, we know that with domestic violence, there is a um, range of, of things that can be considered of domestic violence. One of them is economic violence, but of course there's 
um, other types of violence as well. And um, although income management is meant to limit cash, the flow of cash for people, what that can then actually have the effect of is that when women, when they're trying to escape violence, that's exactly probably what they actually need is um, the free, you know, is the flexibility to get away and to go out and buy the things that they need to um, and get into the services that they need to actually get away quickly. I also asked Jacinta if they found any evidence in the evaluations to show that income management was helpful in helping people manage drug and alcohol problems. Well, no, we couldn't find any in the evaluations. No, we couldn't find any evidence of that because essentially what you need is that you also actually then, if that's the case, you um, probably um, need to be asking them questions about if um, people are also being referred to um, uh, drug treatment centres and and, um, getting evidence from those centres to um, find out if it was going to be helpful. And then, of course, in somehow you would actually <laughs> would need to link or relate, the de- or relate the decrease in alcohol or drug use to income management. And that, you know, mixing with the, you know, trying to put, um, isolate those types of variables would be really, really difficult to do. So no, we didn't actually find any evidence of that at all. Not in the not in the evaluations. The thing that I want to really sort of say is an alternative um, framework. What we actually try to do um, is look at all the other um, evaluations, look at their methodologies, look at their findings, and then assess what the evaluations didn't tell us, and then from there we came up with um, five main themes that they um, really didn't talk about all that much. Um, And those were the dynamics between choice and control, the quality of decisions in relation to income management, the degree of consultation with local communities, the issues of structural disadvantage and the cost of income management. And under all those five areas, we actually posed a host of questions that then made up our alternative evaluation framework. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenontheline at hotmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 8377. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time.